Welcome to Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast hosted and produced by Mike Hall and Jim Harris, where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture, edited by Jim Harris, and music by Mike Hall. Today on a very special episode of a Fanboy and the Hater, yep, I'm ready. I'm ready too. You guys suck. <laughs> Take two. Today, on a very special episode of the Fanboy and the Hater, we're watching Spaceballs! Balls, balls, balls. If we sound a little bit different this time, we have exited our studio. We are sitting in my living room because joining us today is special guest Reese is back. Hey, Reese. Woo! Yay! Hello, everyone. It's Reese. <laughs> Welcome back, Reese. <laughs> He's very excited about it. <laughs> he can barely contain himself. This is like the third take, and I'm just laughing. So, <laughs> so this oh, is going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of listening to us laughing. So we're also going to do a little bit different format this time. We're going to watch the movie and just kind of pause the movie and then make comments about that scene as we go through. So it, it may cut in and out a little more often than it normally does. Uh, if it sounds a little bit funny, we apologize for that. But we're going to try this format and see if uh, we can be a little bit more uh, inclusive and concise doing this format. We will fail. But we will fail funnily. 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 <laughs> Today's word is funnily. <laughs> can you please use that in a sentence? <laughs> we funnily decided to invite Reese back to the podcast. <laughs> we may funnily never invite him again. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> You're we may finally and finally lose all of our podcast listeners. Both of them. Yes, all two of you. <laughs> you know who you are. Thank you. <laughs> Is there anything you guys want to say up front before we start the movie, or should we just jump into it? I'm wearing one of my Star Wars shirts today. One of the reasons I have loved this movie is because as a Star Wars fan, I thought it was funny, but I'm also a Mel Brooks fan as well. And I think that's the perfect symmetry or combination if you're both a star wars fan and a mel brooks fan you will love this movie and i just want to say i was a last minute edition so i'm <laughs> unprepared for this <laughs> well one thing I, I really like about this movie generally speaking is it's a parody without being a direct parody like it doesn't yeah. parody any of the star wars movies it just parodies the ideas of the movies and does so in a way that's not offensive to the diehard fans of the star wars movies and i think just the way that Mel Brooks can tow that line in a lot of lines is genius. They, they parody the characters, but not the storyline so right. much. All right, Jim. Once upon a time warp in a galaxy very, 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 very far away, there lived a ruthless race of beings known as Spaceballs. Chapter 11. Hee <laughs> The evil leaders of Planet Spaceball, having foolishly squandered their precious atmosphere, have devised a secret plan to take every breath of air away from their peace-loving neighbor, Planet Druidia. You're doing much better this time. I am. Pew, 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 pew! Today is Princess Vespa's wedding day. Unbeknownst to the princess, but notes to us, Danger lurks in the stars above. Still say, that is the most Mel Brooks joke ever. Unbeknownst to the princess, but knownst to us. Breaking the fourth wall? It will be broken many times. One more joke coming in the crawl. Wait for it! If you can read this, you don't need glasses. Ta-da! Spaceballs! So if we weren't obvious about it before, Spaceballs is a parody of... Star Wars! Imagine that. We're going to be talking about something Star Wars related. We've never done that on the podcast before. Never. <laughs> so, so far we saw after the crawl, the really ridiculously long spaceship, which of course is a joke to the really big spaceship almost at the beginning of every Star Wars movie. Yeah. Except most Star Wars spaceships don't have a We Break for Nobody bumper sticker on them. True yeah, story. That's true. 
And the opening scene as well uh, kind of breaks right into just a direct fourth wall break, just telling you what's going on and and what the plant, the evil plan is to steal the air from planet Druidia. Yeah, the, pl- the movie has a very simple plot, which I applaud it for. And like you said before, it's not a direct parody of Star Wars, but it is parodying enough of its elements. They could have made the plot more complicated, but they kept it pretty simple. But I also like the fact that fourth wall break by Rick Moranis. Basically, they describe the plot of the movie, and then he just turns to the screen. The camera's like, everybody got that? I think just generally with the parody movie, it's better to keep that plot simple. Yeah. And focus on the, the comedy. And a lot of and in the first scene here, it's physical comedy that we encounter with uh, Dark Helmet and his helmet. <laughs> he's, he's like, ah, 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 and then the mask pops up, and he's like, "It's really hard to breathe in that." And of course, obviously, with Dark Helmet, he is basically a parody of Darth Vader, Mike's all-time favorite Star Wars character. So, Mike, I'm curious, what do you think about the Dark Helmet v. Darth Vader parody? Honestly, actually, when I first watched this movie, I was very offended by it because I felt <laughs> it was very uh, mocking of it. But then as, as I watched the movie more and as I watched Star Wars movie more, I really like how this movie it parodies without directly parodying. And it makes the jokes and makes the little pokes of Star Wars in a way that's not offensive to Star Wars fans. And so as offended as I initially kind of was when I was thinking it was a, you know, just a direct mockery of Darth Vader... After a while and actually giving it a chance, I'm like, oh, okay, it's a completely different character. And they're just mocking the helmet, more or less, or just making it a sight gag. And at this point, it's just hilarious. And I also said uh, while we were watching it that I think this is one of Rick Moranis' best characters that he's done. Because in most of his movies, he plays basically exactly the same character. But in this one, he's just a little bit different. Yeah. He's not just a general nerd in this one. He's, He's just goofy. And it looks like he's having a lot more fun. Yeah, we may not have mentioned this earlier, but this movie was made in 1987, so 33 years ago. So some of you might not even know who Rick Moranis is because he stopped making movies in the early 90s. A lot of his other characters in other movies he's been in, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Ghostbusters, Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Just a small jab at Jim over here. I was born in 87. Wow, we're watching a movie that <laughs> Reese was born in. Yes, I was born in space. Get out of my house! <laughs> Reese was born on planet Druidia. So yeah, the, uh, the can you hook me up with a princess? Yeah, <laughs> you the last of the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Darth Vader is obviously being parodied by Dark Helmet, but they do show that everybody's afraid of him. That's kind yeah. of capturing the the fear that. Or at least their balls are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't force choke in this one. He uh, force crushes. He force. crotch crutches. Yeah. Crotch, yeah crotch, crotch crushes? Scrotum scrunches. There you go. He really puts Ball the squeeze busts. on you. <laughs> so after we have established a plot, we're now on Planet Julia where Princess Vespa doesn't want to get married to Princess Valium. Prince Valium. Oh, he kind of looks like a princess. It's the hair. The hair. Yeah. It's the hair. But yes. Prince Vespa? No, I just screwed that up again. Princess Vespa does not want to marry Prince Valium. working. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We should probably stop recording again because Jim has gone off into Babbledom. Babbledom. Babbledom! Resume the movie! Princess Vespa, who is obviously a Princess Leia stand-in, has thus fled with Dot Matrix. The only droid in the movie, I guess it's a female version of C-3PO being played by Joan Rivers. And we're about to meet Lone Star and Barf. And Lone Star, played by Bill Pullman, is basically both personifications of Harrison Ford's iconic characters. He is both Han Solo and Indiana Jones at the same time. Well, to be fair, Indiana Solo is basically just one character anyway. Yeah, they are. They are. And they kind of poke maybe a little bit of light fun at that. When we first see Lone Star, he is wearing a leather jacket and a fedora. So he basically looks like Indiana Jones. But as... He's parroting Han Solo. Barf! And then you have Barf, the great John Candy. I miss John Candy so much. We all miss John Candy. 
Who's John Candy? Yeah, except for Reese. <laughs> Reese is too young. <laughs> I like how they paused, waiting for me to say that. <laughs> we knew. We knew. Prepare to resume movie. Preparing to resume movie. Resuming movie. Resume movie. No, you're, you're... No, what am I supposed to say? Resume movie. <laughs> resume movie. And then you say resuming movie. I'm preparing and then I'm resuming. Okay. Take 42. <sighs> Prepare to resume movie. I can't work like this. <laughs> I need professionals. <laughs> I need an adult. <laughs> I need an adult. I am an adult. <laughs> That was creepy. That was... <laughs> okay, okay. You have to watch Dragon Ball Abridged on YouTube because that is a, a huge joke in it and it is hilarious. What is YouTube? Oh, person joke. I quit. <laughs> Prepare to resume movie? Preparing to resume movie. Resume movie. Resuming movie. We did it right that time. I have called for an unpause of the movie because we just saw... Princess Vespa make one of my favorite Princess Leia jokes. It's a very energetic podcast this time. (laughs) Except he called for an unpause when he called for a pause. I unpaused a pause? You paused the unpause? I didn't think I paused the unpause. You you (laughs) you told me to pause it, and then you said you called for an unpause. I did? Oh. (laughs) I called for a pause of the movie so that we could unpause the recording. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's it. That's my story. So Princess Vespa <laughs> just made one of my favorite Princess Leia jokes. So Princess Vespa has the funny, like, hair buns over her ears, Princess Leia hairdo. And then we see in the scene she takes them off, and they're actually headphones that are playing music. And I don't know why, but that really makes me laugh. I think that's funny. It didn't make me laugh nearly as hard as listening to you try to explain that. <laughs> She we has also, earphones. We also just saw Pizza <clears throat> the Hut. We also just saw Pizza the Hut. And that costume, can I just say, as Mike pointed out, how you can actually see the actor's mouth like moving inside the mouth of the animatronic Pizza the Hut. But Pizza the Hut also has like melted cheese and things just Pepperoni and stuff down off his of face the whole time. And you can obviously see like the mask wrapped around his eyes. Yeah. And I'm just, like, imagining, like, right before they say play, like, somebody has to go up and, like, I don't know, spray them with or throw, like, half-melted cheese on them or something. That was probably a fun day on set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A messy day, too. <laughs> the character in that, I don't know that character's name. That's supposed to be, like, the cyborg guy. Yeah. The, the bounty hunter, I'm assuming, of some sort, mm-hmm. or gangster. How when he was straight on when he first was talking, he actually almost looked robotic. But then the end of that scene, when he turns and is talking to him, it becomes very obvious that it's makeup and doesn't look robotic anymore. To me, that actually, that's, that's a downside. To me, that kind of ruins that scene. It really takes me out of it. Even though, I mean, you're only so yeah, into it because you know it's a parody anyway. I don't know who that was supposed to be parodying. I think it was a Max Hedrum joke, which you don't know. Oh, so, okay. Do you know who Max Hedrum is? No. Of course you don't. You're too young. <laughs> I, I don't. E- I don't either. Oh, okay. So, so it's was another it? thing that happened in the '80s when these guys were barely alive. Hey, I'm Where still are you barely from? alive. <laughs> okay. Are you going to explain it? <laughs> I think I actually do know who it is. Max Hedrum was a TV show from the '80s where it was like, mink, mink, mink. I can't really oh. do it over audio, but look up Max Hedrum and you'll figure it out. I know Mitch Hedberg. No, that's a comedian. Different thing. I'm always nervous when I'm meeting Reese's because. I'm afraid I'm going to meet him. And he's going to say, hey, that's my candy. And I got to give it to him because it's got his name on it. That's a Mitch Hepburn joke. And my name is <laughs> Reese, so it is funny. <laughs> but it's spelled differently, though. Shh. Don't tell them that. I don't like peanut butter, so you can have all my Reese's. I don't know. I know I mentioned earlier that Joan Rivers is playing the C-3PO character. I don't know if I mentioned that it's, her name is Dot Matrix which is a joke that will probably be lost on people or who were born in the year that this movie was made. That used to be the name of printers. Dot Matrix printers. Do you know what a dot, dot Matrix printer is, Reese? I have seen them used before, way back when. <laughs> in All a right. computer museum? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to resume movie. Preparing to resume movie. Resume movie. Resuming movie.
In the middle of a Star Wars parody, we just got a Star Trek joke sequence. Yay. President Scroob just tried to get beamed by Scotty. Snotty. Snotty, who is Scottish, like Scotty on Star Trek. (laughs) And the whole view screen technology also is a little bit of a Star Trek thing as well, because that wasn't in Star Wars. So a little bit of this is a bit of a Star Trek-y type stuff. Which at that time would have been just before Star Trek The Next Generation was about to come back to bring Star Trek back to television. Although at this time there have been numerous Star Trek (laughs) movies made with the original Star Trek cast. I almost wonder if the success of this might have influenced that as well. You think that Spaceballs is the reason that Star Trek came back to television? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, Jim, you might be the nerdiest nerd that's ever nerded. I'm good with that. Just just thought I'd throw that out there. (laughs) All right, prepare to resume movie. Why are you always preparing? Just let me resume the movie. I want to point out the fact that that was a nerd reference right there. Which one? Where he just said, like, there's only one person who would give me the raspberry. Okay, what nerd reference is that? Bullies give raspberries to nerds. That kind of raspberry? Oh, no, I was thinking of the... That's a wet That's willy. A wet willy. That's a wet willy. That's a wet willy, yeah. Never I'm, mind. You are fired, Reese. You just confused a raspberry <laughs> with a wet willy. I did. What level of incompetence are we bringing to this podcast, Mike? And Mike's glaring at me because I keep moving What are you asking me for? You are the level of incompetence you bring to this. <laughs> I'm Captain Incompetence! Uh, We just paused the movie just after one of the best treatments of one of the biggest sci-fi tropes we always see. Jamming the radar! It's talked about in like every sci-fi TV show and movie. This was the best, most scientifically accurate way that radar has ever been jammed in any movie ever made. They fired a glass of raspberry jam at the radar dish. And you knew it was jam because not only did the glass explode and the jam got all over the radar dish, it said jam on the lid. I would like to point out that you are currently more animated than the Smurfs. (laughs) Smurfing right. And not only did they jam the radar on the outside of the ship, the jam started dripping down the radar screen on the inside of the ship. Because that made sense. Because that's, yeah. that's just science, people. Just, it, that's just science. And in that, in that scene, we also saw the great Michael Winslow, an actor that if you grew up or were alive in the 80s, <laughs> you would remember from not only the Police You're Academy movies, but also from, from other 80s movies, the guy the who was 80s. awesome at making sound effects with his voice. And if you were a kid in the 80s, he was one of your favorite actors just because of the sound effects that were so awesome. Yes. We also had a scene before that, the assholes. Oh, yes. There are a lot of assholes in this movie. Just like in this living room. Mm-hmm. There was a major asshole, who's Mike, but there was a major asshole in the movie, but there was also a whole bunch of assholes. And now people are very confused if they've never seen the movie before <laughs> as to what they're talking about, or even if they've seen it a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> so the entire crew's last name was Assholes. So, yeah. So Dark Helmet is just surrounded by assholes. Don't think about that too much. <laughs> Prepare to resume Ew. the movie! Always preparing. Or you could just resume it. Yeah, I'm going to do that. So we already briefly mentioned the great John Candy earlier. So we have in this scene where he is actually rescuing Princess Vespa and Dot Matrix, he explains that he is a mog, half man and half dog. He's his own best friend. He's obviously a Chewbacca stand-in because we have Lone Star as Han Solo. We have Mog as Chewbacca. Is Mog a better Chewbacca than Chewbacca? No. (laughs) (laughs) Later in the movie, they actually make a Chewbacca sound effect, which is actually hilarious. We'll we'll talk about that later. But it's not him doing the sound effect. It's not John Candy doing the sound effect, but a bear later in the movie makes a Chewbacca sound effect. But he is obviously a stand-in for Chewbacca. You can actually understand him. So instead of Chewbacca... Speaking, and then Hansel or other characters explaining what Chewbacca said, you could actually understand Mog, Barf, who is a Mog. Right. But yeah. Because he's half man. And half dog. Which means what, Reese? He's his own best friend. That's right. 
the millennial, actually you're both millennials, was on his phone and not paying attention. I'm an exennial. You're an exennial? It's the in-between of X and millennial. What oh. year were you born? 82. Is that the cutoff? What's the cutoff for being a millennial? Uh, I think it's technically 81, but there's like a six-year gap in there. They call them exennials. Exennials. Okay. Okay, boomer. <laughs> I think I'm a Gen Xer? Yes, you would be. Yeah, because I was born in 1971. They're saying there's like a six-year period there where we were raised more like the Gen Xers, but we had a lot of the same stuff that millennials had, so we're like right in between there. So you got the worst of both generations. Pretty much. Excellent. We are terrible human beings. (laughs) True story. God, I hate you. (laughs) You may now, without preparation, resume the movie. Oh, shit, I wasn't ready. Damn it! (laughs) We just watched one of the funniest scenes in the movie when they go to the video cassette to figure out where exactly Lone Star, Barf, Dot Matrix, and Princess Vespa actually went to. Quick side tangent for Reese. A video cassette was a recording medium that was used for movies when you were still very young. What does VHS stand for? Video Video home home system. system. Oh, Reese beat you to it. Boom. <laughs> Millennial drops the mic. See, that's the thing that people used to say in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, the thing, one of the big things about millennials is we like retro and old things. Oh, is that, that why like I'm your friend? Is that why you hang out with me? <laughs> Woo! Singer! So they just did the movie thing. Wow. We're inside the movie. They play the video cassette of the movie, which also makes me laugh because you see all of Mel Brooks's other movies up to that point in time. Which kind of leads me to, I'm a big Mel Brooks fan. I know you guys are too, uh, I'm sure. Yes. Most of the movies that he have, they sweep across. I have those movies. I watch them a lot. Where does this rank on Mel Brooks movies for you? It's definitely not one of his best. It's not as good like Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, and History of the World. Frankenstein? Frankenstein. Frankenstein, okay. Damn your eyes. Too late. So I would probably put Blazing... Well, I would definitely put Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein above this. And maybe History of the World. What about you, Reese? Yes. <laughs> what about Very you, insightful. Very what, insightful. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Uh, for me, this is actually the absolute bottom. Really? Yeah, of, wow. of all of Mel Brooks' movies... To me, this is the absolute body. Like, it's funny, but it's not hysterically funny like the other movies are to me. But, but that just goes to show the genius of Mel Brooks, because I still love this movie. This movie's hilarious. There's so much genius in this movie, and it's some of the worst writing, the worst jokes of any of his movies. Yeah, it definitely, I think that also explains, like, this movie has a relatively low critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. And that is actually the essence of why critics don't like the movie as much because they just say it, it's compared to other Mel Brooks movies. It's nowhere near as good. It's funny. It's enjoyable. But yeah, it's not Mel Brooks at his best. Right. Because I think Mel Brooks, he really shines when he can throw in like musical numbers and stuff. And there's none of that in this one. No. So like the producers, producers is absolutely fantastic. I don't know if you've ever actually watched that or not. Both versions. Yeah, I have both versions. I actually like both versions. I do too. But that's the fact that he just goes full-blown musical in it, for more or less, really just kind of shines what's so great about Mel Brooks. And same with Robin Hood Men in Tights. There's a lot of musical numbers in that, too, and just really shows and shines that way. But it just never really gets the opportunity in this movie. And I, I really think this movie was just kind of thrown together. A lot of it seems written just as they're actually recording it. Now that you actually mention it, I would be hard-pressed to name a Mel Brooks movie that is beneath this in my list of Mel Brooks movies that I like. So it might actually be at the bottom of my list as well. There are a few Mel Brooks movies I haven't seen. Yeah, there's a few I haven't seen too. Of the ones I've seen, I would rank all of them above this movie. But again, I like Mel Brooks and I like Star Wars, so this movie is still funny and it works for me. But yeah, it's nowhere near as funny as uh, most Mel Brooks movies, and it doesn't really have musical numbers. There's a little bit of music, but they don't have a big song and dance number like you get in some of the other movies. Like in History of the World Part 1, 
There's a lot of musical numbers in that, and they're, if you pay attention to them, they're hilarious. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of meta humor in, in other Mel Brooks stuff, and this is more just straight-up parody. But it's also being made four years after The Return of the Jedi was in theater, so the original Star Wars trilogy, as we now refer to it, had just wrapped up, and it's also, as I mentioned earlier, the beginning of the revival of Star Trek, or during the movie revival in the beginning, just about the beginning of the revival of it on television. So he was striking at the science fiction genre and its biggest properties coming back. So it was kind of a a quick hit movie, but it's still a movie that I greatly enjoy. And one of the few really good sequences in the movie is the one that we started to talk about, is using the videotape to fast forward to the part so that they can see where the good guys disappear to. And there's a good like Abbott and Costello type routine with the now, then, later, when, who. You see Reese, Abbott and Costello were a comedy duo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who were actually before my time as well. That was back when television was in black and white. So yeah, they're really old. <laughs> Shall I prepare to resume movie? I'll leave it up to you whether or not you wish to prepare or if you would just like to resume. I'm going to prepare. Okay, Nicky. Nice dissolve. Nice dissolve. One of our, we're on the planet and they just had the little like romance scene between Lone Star and Princess Vespa. Whoop, whoop. Virgin whoop. alert, virgin alert. Virgin alarm, virgin alarm. <laughs> and I was joking that, that that whole sequence, this is a parody movie. But that sadly, some of its dialogue may actually be better than some Star Wars movies. In particular, I think that the Lone Star Princess Vespa relationship might be better than the Anakin Padme relationship. <laughs> you are really excited today, Jim. He is. I am. And I can't disagree with you, actually. It was probably better dialogue than anything Anakin and Padme had. Mm-hmm. And genuine chemistry between the actors. Yeah, for any um, yeah. millennials or Gen Zs out there, then it's still a better romance than Twilight. I've never seen Twilight. Fine <laughs> to ever see Twilight. <laughs> did you Very see Twilight? Sparkly. I did. Did you like Twilight? I liked the girl I watched it with. You, you probably uh, shouldn't be trying to talk with ice cream in your mouth. I liked the girl I watched it with. There we go. The words were mixing up in my head. We also just had one of, my, one of the many funny jokes. We were just talking about how they needed to get started before the sun came up and then the sun dissolves through. And John Candy's character says, nice dissolve. One of the funny, many nice fourth wall breaking moments in this movie. And we're coming up on one of my all-time favorite parts of the movie and one of Mike's all-time favorite songs. Ding, 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 ding. Prepare to pause the movie. Wait, we already are paused. Prepare to record? No, we are. We already are recording. I'm very confused. What are we doing? Prepare to resume the movie. I hate you, Jim. I know, Mike. Prepare to pause the gym. Preparing to pause the gym. Pause the gym. Pausing the gym. Please, God, pause the gym. So we just had the uh, great introduction of yogurt in a parody of Wizard of Oz. What'd you think of that, Jim? I thought it was great and powerful. And you're fired. What do you think about it, Reese? <laughs> I thought it was wonderful. You both suck. <laughs> <laughs> so we just met the Yoda parody, Yogurt, played one of the two characters played by Mel Brooks himself. And it's not the Force, even though they say the Force. It's the Schwartz. And I think that's the only direct reference to Star Wars in this, when they say the Force right there. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I think that probably is, yeah. Yeah, and you're not a good parody movie unless you can parody other things, too, in a few scenes. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean when I say in the beginning. It's it's a parody, but it's not a direct parody, and that's one of the things I really like about it. When they entered the underground area, Barf says, it looks like the Temple of Doom. Yes. Yep. Another Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, Lone Star thing. They do obviously have the archetypal characters. Obviously, Spaceballs is nothing like the Empire, but we have a Darth Vader equivalent. We have a Yoda equivalent. Lone Star is basically, as we're about to see, his both Han Solo and Luke Skywalker rolled into one character. And we have the Chewbacca equivalent. What? Lone Star is basically Han Solo and Luke Skywalker combined. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess he is. I know. Sorry, we I, I was looking for the Indiana Jones-Han Solo comparison again. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, that was the Temple of Doom. Reese said that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 
Indiana now, Solo Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we moved on to uh, merchandising. Merchandising. <laughs> Where the real money from the movie is made. And probably the as much as regular listeners of their podcast know that how much I hate Baby Yoda, I would love to see Baby Yogurt. I actually kind of want one of those dolls. I wonder if those still... I'd put it over there next to my buddy Christ. Yeah, there you go. Yes. I bet that stuff is worth a lot of money now. I mean, the movie's 33 years old. If I wonder anyone... how much it was actually made. Yeah, I wonder if they actually did sell real Spaceballs, the movie, merchandise. I wonder if they made the merchandising as a parody in the movie itself, but then there was probably a demand for the merchandise, and they were like, oh, now we actually have to make it. Uh, now I kind of want to look up how well this actually did at the time, because this is probably one of those movies that didn't do great oh, in the theaters, true. but yeah. once VHS came out, because that's... Well, this time like, frame was when VHS was really booming, hence the joke about VHS being made before the movie's even complete, because that's what a lot of these movies would go straight to VHS or, or barely have any time in the theaters and go to VHS, because that's where they would make the money was on the VHS, not the theater run. Yeah, nowadays it's straight to streaming or straight to DVD. Back to the movie. Well, we just had another Mel Brooksiest scene possible which starts with, you know, they got to comb the desert. So they're using giant combs to comb the desert. But it also had Dark Helmet in his new helmet. His safari. <laughs> his safari techniques. helmet, yeah. His desert gear. When he's speaking to the guy next to him with his megaphone directly in his ear. And then when he turns to talk to the people that are far away from him, he puts the megaphone down and just yells at him. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, one of the best jokes, or one of the best part lines in it, I don't know if I necessarily want to say it the way that they say it. Another one of the things that is so genius about Mel Brooks is he's able to take the like what would be racist comedy and would be really offensive comedy, but just somehow the way he does it, it just doesn't feel offensive. And it's, it's the reason Blazing Saddles work so well, and it's the reason jokes like this can work so well in this movie. Agreed. Because you know it's not coming from a bad place. Exactly, yes. And what we're talking about is... As they pan across the, they're not called stormtroopers. I don't know if they're actually called ball troopers. They're probably not no, called that. I think they're called the space balls in general. So the space balls are literally combing the desert, and we see two groups using a normal size. Well, they're gigantic combs, but regular type combs. And then they pan over to two of the black soldiers who are using an afro, an afro pick, and they're like, "We ain't found shit." And again, like Mike says, it's done in a way that's funny without being offensive until you do it until right. i said it yeah that was that was offensive now we're canceled <laughs> now we're canceled but out there i'm looking for a job if you could <laughs> if anybody needs a, co- a podcast co-host i am now looking <laughs> resume the movie i am not responsible for anything that jim says I'm just- I'm just laughing. I'm looking at the audio screen on his computer, and as he's laughing and getting quieter and quieter, the waveform is getting smaller and smaller. Welcome to the editing. Yes. Waveforms. Oh, pretty little waveforms. Here's a song for all you podcast editors. Look at the pretty little waveforms. Dark Helmet just got caught playing with his dolls again. I found that scene hilarious because I grew up when the original trilogy was, I saw them in the movie theaters. So I was six, nine, and 12 when the original Star Wars movies came out. So I had a lot of Star Wars toys growing up, including action figures. So that scene always makes me laugh because as a little kid, I actually did play with Star Wars action figures. Did you guys have any Star Wars toys, or was it too old? Were you guys, was it too it much in the past by the time you guys were, like, toy age? I don't think Star Wars toys ever left the shelves. Okay. I, like, especially Legos. Like, there were always Star Wars Legos. No. I don't there were like, Star Wars Legos for I don't mean, you. I don't mean Legos. I mean actual action, oh, yeah, figures. action figures. Like storm, Like the Stormtroopers, like Princess Leia, and... No, I think I probably had a few lightsabers growing up. The just dollar store, the ones that you, from Halloween, you know, you wave them and they pop out from their little telescope action. Did you have yeah. any, Mike? I did not actually have any Star Wars ones, but I had a lot of Ninja Turtles ones and He-Man and stuff like that. Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I, I played Power with Rangers. action figures a lot. 
this would have been when this came out and when when you were playing with them and about the time I started playing with them, I think was in the transition and stuff where they started actually calling them action figures instead of dolls. Yes. So well, that's, when I was that's kid, partly that... where that joke was because the people that were that age as the people making this movie, even action figures were called dolls when they were growing up. And, and people that played with action figures, even like G.I. Joe's, were still mocked for playing with dolls all the time. Well, that was usually, when I was growing up, that was a distinction. If you were a boy, they were called action figures. If you were a girl, they were called dolls. And action figures were actually smaller, min- more miniature than dolls, but still, there was that. With 23 points of articulation. <laughs> Have you ever watched the series on Netflix, The Toys That Made Us? Yes, that's an awesome series. Yeah, there's a, there's a good show on, on G.I. Joe's on that where they talk about what I was just saying. But, I mean, I had a ton of Star Wars. I had a Millennium Falcon. I had an X-Wing. I had both Darth Vader's X-Wing fighter and a regular X-Wing fighter. X-Wing? Darth Vader. TIE fighter. Oh, my God. Star Wars nerd failure. Darth Vader's TIE fighter and the regular TIE fighter. And I had Luke's X-Wing. I also had a Y-Wing. I had pretty much every action figure. I had one of the Boba Fett action figures that got... What's it like to be rich? (laughs) <laughs> I know. I'm like, my I wasn't, parents I wasn't, wouldn't buy me that many toys. I wasn't rich. I was the first grandchild and first nephew on my father's side of the family. So I was like the only person, the only kid in the family to get spoiled. Spoiled. So I, I was incredibly spoiled. So I got all the toys bought for me because I had no competition. I didn't get that many, but I, my mom made sure that I got the one, like the main ones that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So like she was actually one of those you see all, see all the time, like uh, the mockery stuff, like people fighting in the toy aisle for the kid. My mom yeah. did that. Like she would fight to make sure that I actually got the ones that I, I really wanted. I was the kid who was told to play outside. <laughs> I had the Boba Fett that got discontinued because the original Boba Fett actually had a missile that fired off of his back that you could actually shoot, and it was a choking hazard. So they had to discontinue that Boba Fett. If only you'd choked. If only had I had choked. Even the little bags on McDonald's toys say, like, warning, choking hazard. But the funny thing is, I actually, when I was around 12 years old, which was just around the time that The Return of the Jedi had come out in 1983, I sold the vast majority of my Star Wars toys and used the proceeds to buy my first home computer, a Commodore 64, and a color television set. So I could have a computer and a color TV in my room. Wow, color? A color TV, yes. Not a black and white TV. And how many inches was that TV? It was um, maybe maybe 12, 15 inches. Probably about 13 I think usually I think most inches. TVs around that time that are about like that big, about 13 inch. Yeah, it wasn't definitely like big. living room size. It was yeah. like basically a computer monitor size, but a color yeah. television set. But it, I sometimes think back, I mean, I actually played with my toys, so they were not in mint condition. But if I still had any of those things today, they would be worth a lot more money than what I sold them for. Because like I, at I least sold a dollar. Them. Yeah. SNL. Uh, I sold them at like a yard sale. So I mean, yeah. I mean, they would have been. But again, I didn't have like anything in package. Yeah. SNL stuff. did a uh, parody of a Star Wars toy commercial where like the the kids are like playing with them, and then like an adult walks up. He's like, "No, that's not how they move. They do this." And then it goes on, and the kids are like, "Yeah, flying the ship around." And he's like, "No, the Tie Fighter flew like this and made this sound." And then it like goes on and on, and then like at the end you have the adult with his glass-fronted display case, and he's locking it, and he shows the kid. It's like, doesn't that look amazing with all the toys like still in their boxes, like displayed? And the kids are like, but can you play with them? And they're like, no, you don't play with them. Now I think it's fair to say that the two of you are more into collectibles now than I am. I mean, we're sitting in Mike's house, and I can see. Actually, I don't know. Would you would you call the stuff you have collectible? I would say I wouldn't really count it collectible because I take it out of the box and display it. Is like, that the big distinction? Yeah. I think so because they're not the worth box? anything because they're not in the boxes ah, anymore. Okay, yeah, but yeah, I I like to stay forever single by decorating my <laughs> entire house with. That, I can but... see Superman. I can see Venom. I can see Captain Marvel. I got Spider Man hanging there. I've got Thor over there. I've got Darth Wonder Vader and R two D two over there. I've got X-23 over there. I've got Batman there. I've got Joker there. I've got Wolverine behind Reese's head. I've got a Loki up there. I've got a Ghost Rider in my bedroom. I've got Silver Surfer in the office. I'm still surprised that Ryu hasn't fallen over yet. 
I glued him to the stand because yeah. he fell ah. out of the stand all the time. What are the things that you have a lot of? Vinyl pops. I don't I like, understand those. I don't understand why those are so popular. I like the mini ones. And then for a while there, I would buy a lot of them, but then they got, there were so many of them and I was uh, just kind of buying them on impulse. And then I would see them like a few weeks later. And I'm like, why did I buy that? So now I mainly just buy specific ones that like I have to have. I'm pretty particular the ones that I get. I want I want to make sure they actually look like the comic book version, not like a little kid toy version of it. That's why I don't understand. I don't really like the Popco vinyl things because they don't really look like they don't do anything. They just sit there and they look weird, like a bobblehead. Only they don't bobble. Well, it's a lot of times when I see people who've collected something, it's that way too. It's like yeah, it looks accurate but then it just sits there in one pose the whole time right so it's the same thing like your rio is sitting there with his arms crossed yeah but that's why i set up the way that i do like i've got spider-man hanging upside down by webbing more or less hanging from the ceiling then i've got venom hanging off something else like he's stalking yeah i've got other ones i've got i've got a couple of the stormtroopers i don't have the darth vader i wanted the darth vader the ones, when I get more realistic figures based on something, it, it has to have a specific pose that I think looks really cool. Yeah, well, that too. That, like the Superman that I posed up there, and I hung him to make him look like he's just kind of floating in the living room, looking over everything, and he's got like one knee raised up, his feet are pointed down, like it looks like he's actually... Are we leveling. watching a movie? We are watching a movie, but the reason I wanted to... He got us on, a, on an action figure tangent. Yeah. But I like, I mean, because the, the movie makes uh, pokes of fun at the merchandising being the... Real and thing. then we got distracted by all the merchandising we did. that we've we, fallen for. And but it was also, it, yeah. it was in reality, that was a big way that Lucasfilm made a lot of money from the original Star Wars mm-hmm. trilogy. Star Wars toys, collectibles, and action figures were a huge part of the money. And for people like me who, who grew up and were actually kids when the movies were live and in theaters, that was a huge part of the fandom experience was the action figures and the collectibles. Wasn't that also part of George Lucas's original deal as he got all the rights to the merchandise? Yes. And that's in part how he was able to make so much money was from the merchandising. So and came. selling the entire product of Star Wars for $500 billion. Well, that came much later. This movie was but made still. in 1987. So, yeah. And he would go on to make a, you know, another trilogy before he sold out to Disney. Well, it had been how long since that trilogy that he actually sold them? So I don't know if he actually got... How much money did he actually get? I think it was a billion, wasn't it? He got a lot of money. A billion would be reasonable for the Star Wars franchise, I think. Well, and on top of that, too, you got to realize, too, that in creating Star Wars, he also created Lucasfilm and... uh, Oh, what is it called? Industrial Light and Magic. Industrial Light and Magic, yeah. Which worked on a lot of films that people don't realize was the same production company and same production team that worked on and made a lot of films. Anyways, back to the movie. And we're done. Well, not with the movie, just with that scene. And now, back to the movie. Shut up, Jim. Okay, Mike. Have fun editing, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Editing! Editing. We were just criticizing Reese for collecting vinyl pops, and it just dawned on me that Dark Helmet, his vinyl pop would actually look exactly like his character. Cause Rick, short with the giant head. Exactly, because Rick Moranis is short, and then with the dark helmet on, he has a giant head. He's basically like a walking vinyl pop. That would be a vinyl pop that I would actually buy. Back to the movie. <laughs> Back to the movie. Back to the movie. I wish I had a stunt double. Yes. One of my other all-time favorite scenes in the movie, the capturing of the stunt doubles. It was funny. Yep. It was I pretty funny. It. It's pretty funny. <laughs> the whole sequence is a parody of the rescuing of Princess Leia from the Death Star. And it go you know, pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, again, it's kind of spot on Mel Brooks deceptive. Mm-hmm. And actually if you look You could tell that you could were, tell that there were the stump doubles. Before they turn around. Well, you no, know, even before that. In the scene like before they jump, it was obviously the stump doubles then too. If you have a big enough screen and can see it. Definitely a nice fourth wall break. I'm just imagining, like, Deadpool doing the same thing, like, (laughs) pulling off the mask and then being, like, some random person. You know what? This was around the time that Deadpool was created. Being written? Huh. So then the uh, author-writer might have been inspired by Mel Brooks and his parodies. Well, he didn't initially fourth wall break. That was later. But, yeah, maybe. We also were joking earlier that we liked the fact that Dot Matrix is on roller skates. Yeah, especially me, since I roller skate a lot. 
which makes it a lot easier for her to be pulled around because she can just grab Barf's tail and be pulled around on her roller skates. I still want to know who's in that. I doubt very much it's Joan Rivers. That, that's what I mean. I doubt it was Joan Rivers, but I wonder who's actually in that. I want to know how uncomfortable it was. That it would too. be funny if it's Anthony Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be like the ultimate like hat tip. Yeah. <laughs> are you now going to try to look up who's actually inside the dot matrix? These are the types of questions that you only get answered on Fanboy and the Hater, folks. Or, you know, wherever I would look to find out. Or, or Google. <laughs> We're also pausing on the penultimate scene as they're completing their escape where Princess Vespa is about to mow down the, I keep wanting to call them stormtroopers or ball troopers because they're space balls, but I think they're just called space balls. But they shoot her hair, and then she goes all Rambo on them and guns them down. Ah! Lorene Yarnell Jansen? Jansen? God bless you. Gesundheit. Doesn't even have a picture, but that's who does the Dot Matrix physical oh. performance. She doesn't even get a picture on IMDb? No, apparently she hasn't done much. They could have at least Ouch. given her the picture of Dot Matrix. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you can submit it if you want to. You just take a picture dot matrix and submit it to IMDb. <laughs> say, you want this put here? And There you go. Reese gives you a homework assignment. Awesome. Yes. One of the other things I find amusing about the Spaceball Troopers is the assless chaps that they have, but they also have asses. Those aren't assless chaps. Those are ass guards. Ass guards? Yeah, they're plate armor. Are they ass guards? You suck. <laughs> They're plate armor for each ass cheek. They're plate armor for each ass cheek? Yeah, just like they got the thigh armor, the shoulder armor, stuff like that. So they're They're covering their ass? Yes, they're covering their ass. Ah. The assholes are covering their asses. And earlier in the scene, one of them got shot in the asshole, so the ass guards did not work. Technically, if all of them are assholes and wherever they get shot, they're getting shot in the asshole. That's a very good point. (laughs) Well, they didn't say that. Every spaceball trooper was an asshole. I know, but like just all of them on that bridge. Yes, I think there was one in the like the bottom left corner of the bridge that didn't stand up. Nepotism. <laughs> Space nepotism. Oh, it would also explain why they're such bad shots. Because when they showed the assholes at the beginning, they were all cross-eyed. The two that the the major yeah. asshole and the uh, minor asshole, lieutenant asshole. It was major asshole and lieutenant asshole. Philip asshole. So is that why stormtroopers are oh, such bad shots? Too? I just got that. Yeah. Fill up asshole. Fill up asshole. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the issue with cloning is that um, as you keep cloning from a clone, there's a degeneration. And so the later clones were cross-eyed. Aren't clone troopers. I know I was making a joke, asshole. <laughs> Mike is a major asshole. True story. And now back to the movie. Back to the movie. Back to the movie. Don't sound so enthusiastic. I got a joke that the others didn't get. As they're about to do the transformation of Spaceball 1 into Mega Maid, they say begin transformation and they say Kafka, which is a joke that even makes Mel Brooks' character turn around. Kafka wrote a, a story called The Transformation, where a man falls asleep and he wakes up and he has been transformed into a cockroach. It's one of the Kafka's most famous short stories. So when they said, begin the transformation, and they called him Kafka, that's what it was about. It was funny, damn it! You guys suck. I don't mean you blow. Because <laughs> we're about to do that. No, Back we're not. No, we're not. We well, are watching the movie. <laughs> and in the movie, well, you guys about doing to your personal time. <laughs> we're about to mega made it! In the middle of the Lone Star Dark Helmet lightsaber battle, I'm using air quotes, it has one of my favorite Lightsaber is a trademark of Disney and Lucasfilm. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You're correct. The Schwartz Ring battle between Dark Helmet and Lone Star, it has one of my favorite lines in the movie. Now you will see that, well, how is it phrased? Now you will see that evil always wins wins because because good good is stupid. stupid. Exactly. <laughs> Can't really argue that. <laughs> and it's an excellent, it's obviously the Darth Vader confrontation with Obi-Wan slash Luke Skywalker. 
And the other obviously off-quoted line from this part of the movie is making fun of the whole big Empire Strikes Back review. Spoilers! Spoilers! Luke, I am your father. With the No, I am your father. Oh! He doesn't say Luke. Thank you, Reese. I was just about to say that. Wow! Star Wars geeks in the house! Yeah, you claim that you're a Star Wars geek. I were- That's twice. Wearing a shirt doesn't make you the fan, man. It's knowing the movies. Yeah. I and think- that is t- at least twice we've had to correct you on your Star Wars I think it's like four knowledge. or five times at this point. I think earlier off mic I referred to Jawas as Ewoks. So yeah, yeah. I've, <sighs> lost, I've lost all Star Wars cred on this podcast. I'm like a parody of a Star Wars fan watching a parody of a Star Wars movie. Making a parody of a podcast. <laughs> exactly. But the other classic scene of the... Mike didn't like that. The farther thing is, before we get started, there's something you should know about me. I'm your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommates. What does that make us? Absolutely nothing. Well, that was a pretty good riff. Yeah. On the thing that I got wrong about Star Wars earlier. That's one of the best lines in the movie. Uh, Probably the most memorable ones. When my Swartz gets tangled. Yeah. Or twisted. (laughs) My Swartz gets twisted. And as Mike actually pointed out while we were watching it, it's arguably that the Swartz ring battles are actually better than the lightsaber battles in some of at least the original trilogy movies back before we had decent movie making technology. Definitely better than the Vader Obi Wan in the first. Yeah. New Hope battle. Yes. Quite entertaining and very good. Like you said before, parody without being mocking. And even when it does mock, it's not offensively mocking. Right. It's only ostensibly mocking, but not offensively mocking. Mike, he's using big words again. (laughs) I'm going back to the movie. Well, wait a minute. We have it it on a perfect freeze frame (laughs) that Lone Star is covering his balls. He's not, actually. His hands are are up. He's about to get hit in the oh, balls with the Schwartz. He's about to get hit. He's about to get Schwartz cock punched. It's like a jock, <laughs> jock check or something. Ball check. Ball check. I think it's called a ball check. That yeah. might be what I was trying to think of. Yes. Which, since he is, you know, one of the leaders of the space balls, the space ball check. Hit play. Hit play. So I just want to say that as the self destruct button is pressed and everybody's panicking, the president of space balls says. Tell me what to do. Help me. Or he says, I don't know what to do. I'm a president. And all I could think of is our current president. That could be said about any president. True. We're in the middle of what is the closest thing to a musical number in the movie. I've seen balloons. There have been balloons. And a clown. A clown. And they They're are tied actu- together. And, and they are actually singing a song. The Spaceballs theme song? I or, guess. It. I don't know. Spaceballs! And there actually are more words to it than that. Spaceballs! Wow. Defender of the universe! <laughs> no, 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 no. I, don't, I don't think that's how it goes, Reese. No? You sure? Pretty sure. <laughs> now resuming self-destruct. In 10, 9, 8, 6. What happened to 7? Just kidding. Just kidding. Boom. We're about to watch the conclusion of you the can't. diner scene, which is one of Reese's favorite parts of the movie because he actually got the joke. What's the joke that's coming up that you actually got, Reese? It's an alien reference where the actor from Alien, who had an alien burst out of his chest, has another one burst out of his chest at the diner. He says, oh no, not again. And then there is a minor song and dance routine. Hello, my alien. baby. Hello, Hello my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal. And it's almost as good as that. Also, almost. like to point out that after the merchandising scene, we've all been watching and seeing all the little merchandising. Spaceballs, space the towel. towel. Spaceballs, the placemat. Placemat. Spaceballs, the shaving cream. Spaceballs, the toilet paper. Yeah, it's it's a very funny ongoing joke. And everything is space. There was a space soup and the space special. Because that makes sense. Because it's space, and everything is paid in space box. Because that just makes sense. Space. Space. The final frontier. These are the times where we hit play and watch the thing burst out of the guy's chest. Yes. I want alien violence. Alien violence? Coming up. Three. We skipped two and one. May the Swats be with you. And also with you. (laughs) But never with me. So we just finished watching Spaceballs, the movie. Yep. 
Merchandising. Merchandising. I yeah. thought it was pretty good. It has a pretty simple, straightforward plot, but you know what? It's probably got a better story than some Star Wars movies. <laughs> At least more coherent and clear. Very yeah. simple, but it gets the job done. You know, I, so I watched it yesterday in, in preparation for this, and it was the first time I'd watched it in probably six or seven years. And yesterday when I watched it, I laughed a lot. This time, knowing what's about to happen and exactly what the jokes are, I laughed a few times, but otherwise, like, okay, yeah, it's humorous, but it's not hysterical humorous. Whereas, like, again, going back to this is probably Mel Brooks's worst movie, in my opinion, because, like, Robin Hood Men in Tights, I can watch over and over and over again and laugh hysterically every time. It has to do with physical comedy. Physical comedy is not as funny if you know it's coming. But those movies have the physical comedy, too. Yeah. I think this is just... I really feel like this is just kind of a thrown together of, hey, we've never done like a space sci-fi movie. Why don't we go ahead and do that? And I really feel like a lot of the lines and dialogue were written on the spot, kind of maybe, you know, improvised by the actors first and then just kind of tweaked a little bit mm-hmm. by Mel Brooks. Or maybe one of the actors said something about it was like, oh, you know, what would be funny is if you said this afterwards and it wasn't really fully thought through. They had a general simple plot line but i think a lot of it was just kind of written on the fly at least i feel that way when i'm watching it i know that it. i've seen interviews from very very current movies where that's actually starting to become a very big practice in movies mm-hmm. is to actually let the actors just throw out lines at each other and then sometimes you'll get a gem that they'll stick with well what they'll do there a lot of times too is they'll have the writers on set now yeah so when something like that happens they can tweak the script you know so that way it flows because the downside of doing that is then you get a lot of lines that don't feel like they fit with the rest of the movie because it's written in a different way. Well, and the point of that is that like the people who are playing the characters and really get into them, like sometimes feel like they know the characters better than the, than the person that made them up and writing them. Yeah. Well, you also get into, there's somewhat famous, but not, not especially in the Kevin Smith movies with Ben Affleck. Kevin Smith is very, very adamant that Ben Affleck does not riff. He he only says his scripted lines, and if you pay attention to it, you can tell which lines weren't written for him that Ben Affleck is just saying himself because they don't fit in the rest of the movie. Definitely yeah. like listening to the actor interviews where the actor like will reveal a scene that like was just a spur of the moment thing. <laughs> and there are definitely some more better improvisational actors in lots of movies and yeah. shows. Some like, are better than do, others. Yeah, some are better than others, but it's like do whatever you want, it'll probably work. But, I mean, I don't know how much of that was applicable to this movie. Some of it probably was. Maybe with Rick Moranis and John Candy, they probably felt more comfortable. It's like, you guys can go if you want yeah. and riff on stuff. But overall, again, it's a simple story, but it is a, a well-constructed story. I'll circle back to what you said. I also watched it the other day before we watched it again for this. I laughed a lot more the first time, but it had been maybe close to 10 years since I had seen the movie. But then watching it now today... It was funny, but yeah, not as funny. And I think you're right. It's probably the worst Mel Brooks movie. What Even a, though I like it, it's funny, I enjoy it, but it's yeah. not as good as his other movies. But also comparing it to other parody movies, though, I still think it's a lot better than a lot of parody movies. That you know, I've I was seen. in my head towards the end of it, I was kind of somewhat comparing it to Scary Movie. The first Scary Movie. And that was a funny movie. The first Scary Movie was very good. The second one was pretty good. But then, like, after that, they're just oh, like. Yeah. Let's make it as vulgar as we can, and that's our comedy, <laughs> Yeah, and it just fails. Those fail for me. So what about you, Reese, generally speaking? Because you did not watch this in preparation for this. How long has it been since you've seen it? I would say it has probably been at least a decade. So what did you think? Is it Was it as funny as you remember it being? Funnier? Worse because we had Jim here squeaking at you? <laughs> I think overall the experience was funnier, and I kind of do feel sorry that we didn't have the recording going the whole time, because there were a few times where we were just <laughs> being complete goofballs to each other. This is a great movie to watch with people and kind of riff that. off of it. It's probably better to watch with a group of people yeah. Yeah. than to watch on your own. I think you should definitely title this podcast, like, Podcast the Parody. <laughs> Episode the parody. Episode the parody. And you should put in a lot of the just mistakes and bad parts that are just funny. 
Mistakes? No, we completely scripted everything that was said in this episode. We have never we made a mistake. Yes, in every single episode. We're I am the robot. I spit out lines as prescripted <laughs> by Mike and Jim. <laughs> yeah, uh, Reese actually uh, does not uh, exist. Uh, it's a computer-generated uh. voice. <laughs> How about this? We're all Star Wars fans. Oh, yeah. Do you think this movie is only funny to Star Wars fans? No. I think it's funny to anybody, any sci-fi, anybody that knows sci-fi at all. You yeah. don't need to know Star Wars. Like you said, it doesn't go directly at it, but I mean, there's enough stuff you can see. Oh, they're doing this, doing that. You yeah, you Star have Wars. warp speed, light speed, hyperspace, et cetera, et cetera. The things in this, most of the things in this that actually parody Star Wars, I think people that have never even seen Star Wars know. Right, because Star Wars, is, especially now, is such a cultural phenomenon. Right. But even at the time that this was made in 1987, it was only a few years after Return of the Jedi had come out. But there are definitely... counting how many times he said that in this podcast? Many, many times. But if you listen to this podcast, you'll also notice that there are times where we're joking about how young I am. So there are jokes in this movie that fall flat now because oh, yeah. the references yeah. aren't there. Yeah, that's one downside to Mel Brooks. Is a lot of stuff is... is kind of dated references. So if you showed this to a Gen Z, like they actually wouldn't know what a VHS was. And I saw a little film where like they asked their kids like what gesture do you do for talking on the phone and they hold their hand flat up against their ear. Yeah, whereas we will put our pinky up and our thumb up and put it up to our face to simulate like an older cell phone where it was a flip phone or just bigger. It's not or- the finger I put up. Or even the video screens in this movie are like, oh yeah, it's just like FaceTiming. <laughs> Whereas back then it's like, oh, it's a video call. Ooh, we don't have that technology yet when the movie was made. And even in the future, nothing works. Yes. Yeah. We've had the conversation just in person before about like the technology in Star Trek and how like it was very difficult to make a newer one because like you want to do modern technology in there. You want to have computer screens that actually move and such. Whereas the old Star Treks, the screens were, they didn't move because they didn't have the technology to do that. I really want one of Elon Musk's implants. Have you guys <laughs> seen the implant thing? No, what's the implant So thing. basically it's a new design where you actually, they're drilling it directly into your skull, into your brain. And it's an implant where they put like electrodes in your brain so that you like think directly connected to the internet. Oh, so you're a Borg. Pretty much. And I think Amazon is doing a chip in the hand so you can pay with things with your hand. Yeah, I just want the implant, man. Be able to think and do Google searches. I just a want bot. a spaceship that can turn into a giant maid. So any final thoughts on Spaceballs? May the Schwartz be with you. I would I, say that the Schwartz is still strong with this one. How many Schwartz out of five do you give it? Four. Could be better, could Jim? be worse. For what it is, pretty good. Yeah. If you force me... I would say four. So four and four? I'll give it a three and a half. Three and a half out of five shorts. I would like to see a sequel. It would be interesting. I don't know if, if Mel Brooks would want to do it, but he's, I mean, given with his age, but also, yeah, I mean, with all of the, I mean, two other trilogies have come out since then, standalone movies, animation read, series, yeah. live action television shows. It would be interesting, maybe. It could I be. I, he, I bet it would fall flat. Yeah. A couple of years ago, there was a discussion about it, and he was willing to do it if the uh, actor who played Dark Helmet, Rick, Rick, Moranis. Moranis, Rick Moranis, was in, and Rick Moranis said he would be in too. But that was two years ago, and they're also in talks right now, I believe, of uh, Blazing Saddles too. Ah, yes, yeah, we had that conversation too the other day. Yeah, about how uh, he had it in his contract that there had to be a series, and so they filmed a series that was never going to air. Four Just- seasons. Four seasons Four of a seasons. series that they're never going to air. I, as we said, we, I want to see it, but I assume that it's probably like they gave money to some college kids to make. Well, can't remember what it's called. Something. Bart the something or other is what it's called. And they, actually, the pilot of this first season is available. It's out there somewhere. You could, oh. you could probably find it on YouTube. But the rest of it, nobody's ever seen. Just as a little F you to him putting that in his contract just so they can make it if they need to. So I don't know if he's actually going to be involved in that or not, but I know there's talks of making it. I'm still yeah, waiting for History of the World Part 2. Yes, I know. That's long overdue. Right? Have if you I, seen that one, Reese? History of the World Part 1? 
it's long. It, it's yeah. It can be a hard watch if you're not a big Mel Brooks fan. Yeah. Yes. I would say for this, maybe instead of a sequel to this, I, I well, kind of, I guess, Baby Yogurt. Baby Yogurt. Yeah. Because I hate Baby Yoda on the Mandalorian, so Baby Yogurt. Do so if we have any fans out there, has a YouTube channel that likes to do parodies and things and cartoon styles. If you could give us a baby yogurt, we'd be much appreciated. Any final, final thoughts on Spaceballs? Fuck you. Oh, that's rude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. And once again, we'd like to thank Reese for joining us today on the podcast. <laughs> May the Schwartz be with you. Like, wh- what's the most offensive thing I can say to people who ask me into their homes and into their podcast? Fuck you. Fuck you, Reese. <laughs> Mike? Can we all just get along? No. No. End podcast. I I, can't, I I would like to point out that, and it amused me, that every time the helmet came down, his voice would change. Yes. Acting. Acting. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you mean. That was horrible. It was horrible. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like Bane, not like... I, I know. Oh, Bane. yeah, Bane from the Harley I recognize it as Bane, and yeah, I was like, actually, good. it's pretty good, but then he said it was horrible. I'm like... Bane, that was a good Bane from the Holly Quinn animated series. Or, you know, the Dark Knight. The Rises. Dark Knight, yeah. No, I'd rather, I'd think more of the, the comedic because it's a spoofy yeah. thing. Yeah. The Bane from the Harley Quinn animated series. Now, can I stop it? Requesting to stop the podcast? Prepare to stop the podcast. Yeah. Preparing to stop the podcast. Stop, stop the, the podcast. podcast. Stopping the podcast. Thank you for listening to Fanboy and the Hater. We really appreciate it and would love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating. Write a review. Reach out to us on Twitter at FanboyandHater. Email us at thefanboyandthehater at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes on our website, fanboyandhater.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Where you can download the free Podbean mobile app for Android and iOS. You can also find us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Once again, thanks for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater.